Middle school is a special time. Anybody just loving middle school? That's what I expected. That's what I expected to hear. But man, middle school is a fun time. You guys are starting to kind of grow up. People are starting to see you as kind of young adults. You're not just kids anymore. And this is where God really begins to, to kind of shape us and make us who we're going to be. So, so kind of own these years, have fun with these years. But from what I hear... You guys are already doing incredible things, and God is already at work um, inside of you as you're in middle school. So with that being said, a little bit more about myself. Like I said, my name is Trey. I have a wife. Her name is Sarah, and I have a little, a little boy. He was 10 months old whose name is Bear. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it tends to be uh, not like the paint. So if you ever heard there's a paint called Bear, people always ask if it's like the paint. It's not. It is like the forest animal. So I named my kid after a forest animal. So he's bound to, for greatness, right? He's bound to be a really a man's man. He came out with a beard playing football. That's what I'm hoping a little bit. He did not come out. I do know this. My son will not be good at basketball. Do you know why he will not be good at basketball? First of all, no, I'm, my son's not going to be short. I'm kind of tall. He's not going to be short. He's going to be like me, though, in that he is not coordinated. Everybody hold up your right hand. Now everybody hold up your left hand. See, for me, I can use my right hand, but I found out at a young age that my left hand was, was virtually useless. I needed to just like kind of like maybe just tie it around here behind my back and it'd be just about the same. Any left-handed people out here? It's okay. God still loves you. God still loves you. Yeah, you know, there is a passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes that says the wise man is led to the right and the foolish man is led to the left. So that's God's word. I'm just saying. But, uh, uh, but I cannot use my left hand. And what I found out in basketball is you just can't do this the whole time. You have at some point have to kind of cross over. Any basketball players? Did you say, man, basketball is my sport? And in the, in, the, in the heat of March Madness, did anybody fill out a bracket? Any guys fill out brackets? I want to ask this first. Guys fill out, fill out brackets. Anybody do that? Maybe a little. How about any, any ladies? Any girls fill out brackets? There you go. Rise up. Break the mold. Break the mold. Who's going to go all the way? Kentucky. Come on. Anybody, anybody know anything about Georgia State today? So everyone loves a good underdog story. Everyone got, loves a good underdog story. When I think about clutch, I think about underdog stories. I think about people coming through in the moment when they are needed most. And for me in my life, I was never that guy in sports. I love football. I love baseball. I really love every sport. And I was okay at some of those, but I was never very clutch. I was never very good. And my junior year of high school, I decided to try my hand at a new sport thinking maybe, maybe with this new sport, I can be the clutch athlete that I've always wanted to be. And so I went out for the high school golf team. High school golf. I just got to amen. I just got to amen for golf. Well, I, I went out for the high school golf team and I have to move my podium to be able to demonstrate this. So I'm out, I'm out the high school golf team and there's a, there's kind of a series of tryouts. One of the tryouts, you had to go out and just kind of hit at the driving range, kind of demonstrate what you got at the driving range. And another part of the tryouts involved actually going to play nine holes of golf with the current golf team and everyone else trying out and the golf coach. Well, me, I'd played a little bit of golf growing up, but I'd never really played a lot. I'd never had any lessons. I'd never had any of that. I had my grandfather's hand-me-down golf clubs. Okay. So I go out for the team with my hand-me-down grandfather golf clubs. And I'm thinking maybe this is my sport. Maybe at age 16, something will click and I'll be a really good golfer. Well, I wasn't. Okay. And sure enough with the tryouts, I got paired up with a couple of guys, including the coach. So I go out to play golf. I haven't played much in my life and I get paired up with the coach. So he's going to see me play. Maybe if I hadn't played with him, I would have been a lie to my score and I wouldn't have made the team, but lying is bad. So don't do that. But so I go out 
and I'm with the coach, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win his approval, right? I'm going to make the golf team. I think if I can be clutch in this moment, maybe, just maybe, I'm going to play the best round of golf I've ever played in my life because the coach is watching because I'm clutch like that. Well, we get out, and we play a couple of holes. I'm, I'm doing bad, but I, I, could, I could be doing a little bit worse, you know, kind of the in-the-middle in the type ground. And, and I'm, so I'm kind of doing okay. I'm kind of proud of myself. Well, we get up. At, uh, and we're about to tee off, you know what I'm saying, with a, with a driver. You get out, I'm about to tee off with a driver. And we're, at, we're on a hole. And a buddy of mine who's also, on, he's already on the golf team. If you can picture this. So picture this in your head, okay? I'm here, about to hit this way. So that's the goal. We're going to try to hit this way, all right? My buddy is over here, standing, watching me. So we're hitting this way. He's watching me. Okay? Yeah, it's going to get bad. Somebody said, oh, gosh. Well, I go back, you know, I'm trying to brag. I want to hit it far, right? You just want to hit it far. So I, I rear back as hard as I can, and I come through. And the way I, the, the golf club comes through, I don't even understand how it's even possible, okay? The golf ball launches off the tip of the golf club, shoots across there, and hits my buddy right in the sternum. Anybody had a human anatomy? You know what stern, your sternum is? Right there, smack dab in the middle of the chest, hits my buddy in the chest, okay? Which I don't think that's ever happened ever in the history of golf. Has a golf ball gone perfectly this way when you're trying to hit it this way? Well, sure enough, my guy, he lifts up his shirt. He has a welt, and I promise you, when it was a half inch off of his skin, right in the middle of his chest, probably broke his sternum if he had gone to the doctor type thing. And, uh, and luck, you know, needless to say, I did not make the golf team that year. I was not clutch. I failed in that moment. I did not meet expectations in that moment, and I was not clutch. And the reality is we have all found ourselves, and maybe not in a sport, but we found ourselves in, in, in a moment when, when we're, we're, something is needed from us, when the, the tension is high, the pressure is on, when something is needed of us, and we have to come through in the moment. And that is true of our faith. That is true of people who claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are moments in your lives as middle schoolers, especially as middle schoolers, as you get older, where your faith is tested in a moment. And if you are clutch or not clutch, kind of tends to come through. How you respond in those tough moments, in those intense moments of your faith reveals if you are clutch or not when it comes to following Christ. And I know last week you guys talked a lot about what it looks like to prepare for the game what it looks like to train for the game and get ready for what the, the, the game may look like as a follower of Christ. And as we move into today, we want to talk about the actual moment in which being clutch in the faith is needed. You know, that exact moment when the pressure is high, the tension is real, when it is needed of you to be clutch in that moment. And I, so I want to define pressure real quick. I want to define that for the sake of, of our conversation today. What I mean by pressure, what I mean um, when we say the tension is high and when clutch, when uh, being clutch is needed for being a follower of Christ. So from now on, when I say pressure, think about this. Think about temptation. Think about temptation. Think about those times in your day and in your life when you are tempted to do something that you know is not of God. When you are tempted to do something that is far away from God's best. When you are tempted into sin. Those moments when, when you feel like you're being pulled in a direction that you know that God does not want you to go. You all know those moments. Nod your head, don't you? 
You know those moments when you're being kind of tempted to, to walk into an area of life to make a decision that does not honor God. We've all been in those moments. Also this pressure, I believe pressure in the Christian faith could also apply to those moments when you feel the, the urge to share Jesus Christ with someone in your life at school, friends, neighborhood, family, whatever. When you feel the tension and you feel like you need courage in order to share Jesus with someone, and you need in that moment, you, or you feel pressure in that moment to share. So really, when we, when we talk about pressure today, we're going to refer to those moments in which temptation is coming, okay? When temptation is on you to do something that Jesus would not have you do, and in those moments when you're kind of led into a moment to share, to share your faith. Because I do know this, the middle school is difficult, man, Right? Things are changing. Life is changing. School's getting harder. People are getting weirder. Friends at school are getting kind of getting kind of out there. And you are more than you ever have in your life experiencing pressure. Some of you, when I say when I say that, when I say that you're experiencing pressure in your daily life, especially as it as it relates to your faith in Jesus Christ, some of you you feel the weight of that even right now, don't you? Oh, yeah. Some of you, oh yeah, some of you, you feel that right now. You feel the pressure of what it means to follow Christ in middle school. You know that the temptations are high. You have some friends that are already starting to choose things that you know are wrong. You already feel the urge to maybe keep quiet about Jesus because somebody might poke at you and call you holier than thou or a goody two-shoes or something. You feel that pressure right now. In your life as a middle schooler, middle school is a tough time. I, I was not a very smooth middle schooler. I know some of you guys, some of you right now, you think you're smooth, don't you? Some of you, some of you are like, I'm not, actually, I'm not smooth at all. When I was in middle school, I liked a girl, which I'm sure none of you do. I liked, I do. Is <laughs> that a girl that said I do? Don't do that. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I was in middle school. I liked a girl. Her name was Anna. Okay, this is a, this is an example of how of how awkward I was in middle school. Okay, I dated a girl. I, I dated a girl. I didn't date. You can't date in middle school. Mama drops you off in the mall. Um, but uh, sorry, no offense. So I, I, I was after a girl named Anna, and uh, we were at uh, lunch one day. And at the middle school I grew up in, lunch um, happened. You kind of got, you ate, you ate inside, but as soon as you were done eating, you got to go outside to this like courtyard area. Well, you've all been there, right? You've all been in the lunchroom and you see the crush. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah. You see the crush. You're in, the, you're in, you're in there and you see the crush. And, and so I'm outside, I'm staying outside. I'm probably in the seventh grade. I remember I was in South Georgia. I grew up in South Georgia, Brooks County middle school. And uh, I saw a girl, her name was Anna, and I had a crush on her. I saw her from a distance. And I'm thinking, we're standing outside. We're in the courtyard. It's time for me to make my move, okay? So instead of, instead of this, hey, guys, this is, can I, can I, can I demonstrate smooth? Can I demonstrate smooth? Oh, yeah. This is smooth. Hey, how are you? This is what I wanted to do. So this is what I did. <laughs> hey, how are you? And okay, if you can picture this, I'm sprinting towards her. I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to have her undivided attention. When I stop right in front of her, I'm standing on the side of a curb, okay? I slip, twist my ankle, and break my foot. 
put in a boot, the whole nine yards, taken to the hospital that day. My foot swells up. So in a moment of hoping to be smooth, I end up falling on my face in front of the girl I like and breaking my foot. And I don't even know if she saw it, you know? It'd be kind of like a war wound if she had seen it, but I don't think she did. All that to be said, middle school is an intense time. And I don't want for a second to you, from, for you to think that I discount what is going on in your life right now. Because you're going through real struggles. You're going through real intense situations. You're experiencing real temptation. It is not silly. It is not a game. What is going on in your life is serious. And God desires something for you. God desires a life for you that reflects him. And to do that, it's going to require being clutched. It's going to require you making the right decisions in the intense moments, in the moments of temptation. It's going to require you to be firm and stand for Jesus when everyone else says not to. It's going to require you to not look at that thing on the, on the computer. It's going to require you to not do that thing at that party. It's going to require you to stand firm when the world says not to stand firm. And so tonight, my hope is that we could look at a few truths from God's word that help us become better followers of Christ. Not better in that in our own strength, we're able to, to make ourselves something we're not, but that in those intense moments when the pressure is on and the temptation is high, in those intense moments, we will be able to be clutch followers of Christ, stand boldly for, for Jesus in those moments. So we're going to turn to God's word. We're going to get started. I'm going to have three in-game truths. When I say in-game, what I mean is we're kind of going with this whole clutch basketball sports analogy. So what are some truths that you all can take to your lives, okay, in the game, in the real game? What are some truths you can take into your lives um, in order to live as a clutch follower of Christ? Before we do that, though, I want to look at a passage of scripture in James chapter 1, verse 13 through verse 15. James chapter 1, uh, verse 13 through verse 15. It's going to say this. By the way, I love this television. I feel really cool up here standing next to this TV. So we're going to look at this together. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away from their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it's, it conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Here's what I believe that passage of scripture is teaching us. And, and we have to remember this, that temptation itself is not sin. Temptation itself is not sin. Pressure itself is not sin. In the moment that you feel that temptation, in the moment that you feel that pressure, I want to relieve a little bit of the guilt and a little bit of the burden on you that the temptation itself is not sin. But very quickly, temptation becomes a seed for sin. Out of temptation, out of that pressure to do something that you know is wrong, there is a seed that's kind of buried inside of you that could turn into sin. In those moments, what I believe this passage of scripture almost teaches us is, or what it does teach us is there's a moment of temptation in every single one of your lives and you're presented with it every day. You're presented with a moment of, in a moment of temptation, a moment of pressure. Maybe in that moment you're, you feel God saying, Hey, go talk about Jesus to that person. Or maybe in a moment you feel the urge to do something you know is wrong. So you feel the pressure in those days or in, in the course of your days, in the course of your life. And, and you have a choice in those moments to choose Jesus or to choose sin. You know what I'm saying? You all know those moments 
where you really are, you're kind of at a, at a crossroads. You're at a fork in the road. If you're ever driving down the road, you can either, you can either turn right, you can either turn left, you can either turn towards Jesus, or you can turn towards sin. And it's our hope, it's my prayer today, that we would look at some truths that help us turn towards Jesus. That that's what clutch is. When we say clutch in the moment, it's our hope that you would turn that you would turn towards Jesus. That you would uh, just to keep the whole clutch thing going. That you would hit the game-winning shot, not throw up an air ball. Because it's in those moments when we when we are, are given the opportunity to choose Christ or to choose sin. Clutch looks like. Choosing Jesus and hitting the game-winning shot and not being clutched looks like choosing the world and hitting an air, uh, an air ball. We're going to talk about why I believe that to be the case because I do know this. I do know this, that when temptation and pressure come on us and we choose sin, we will always find at the end of that road brokenness and emptiness. Every time. Every time. And it's my hope and prayer today that you would become young men and women who choose Jesus when the pressure is on. Number one. First kind of in-game truth that I'd like to focus on today is your thoughts matter. Your thoughts matter. That first truth today, your thoughts matter. And here's what I mean by that. If we were able to keep God in the front of our minds and, and thoughts throughout the day, our hearts would be in a place where we can stand firm against temptation and against pressure. If our minds and our hearts and our thoughts are placed on Christ throughout the course of our day, we'll be able to stand strong and firm against pressure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, listen to this passage. It says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient, uh, make it obedient to Christ. Say that with me. Every thought. Every thought. Every thought. Get this, so often, and you know I'm right when I say this, so often we put God in a little bit of a bubble, don't we? And maybe you talk about God tonight when you're at church, and maybe even some of you say sweet little prayers when you go to bed at night. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. You say that? Yeah, okay. So maybe sometimes, that's some of us, what we tend to do is we tend to put God in, in special little boxes, special little bubbles, and we only kind of bring God out when it makes sense uh, based on our normal schedule. Here's my challenge for you, is what if you brought God into every part of your day? What if you brought God into every part of, the, of your day? What if God was present in our minds and our hearts all the time? To have your thoughts, every thought taken captive by Christ. Do you hear that? That is a powerful, it's a powerful idea that every single one of our thoughts would be held captive by Jesus Christ. But instead, so often our thoughts throughout our day are, they're kind of trapped by, by maybe a girl or a guy, right? You have a girl or a guy in your mind and you just can't stop thinking about them. You're, you're going crazy. Maybe sometimes your thoughts are just are, are, are consumed by that hobby you have, that sport you play. Guys, that video game you're going to go home and, and shoot some zombies on Call of Duty or something like that. And, you, and, and, those, and those little things, right? Those little things, those are the things that steal your thoughts. But our challenge to you is this, is what if your thoughts were consumed by Christ because your thoughts matter, your thought life matters. What is going on in your mind and your heart, it matters because if you have Jesus on the forefront of your mind and your heart throughout the course of your day, in the moment of pressure, in the moment of temptation, you're gonna be able to stand stronger for him. Because you've been walking with him throughout your day. You've been connecting with Jesus throughout your day by thinking about him, by praying to him. 
And we have to, just like it's true with any sport, we have to keep our minds in the game. Your mind has got to be in the game. And when I say the game, I don't mean something silly. I don't mean something small. I mean the game and the game of following Christ, the the life of following Christ. Your mind, if you're going to be successful at following Christ, if your life is going to reflect Jesus in the middle school that you're in, in the life that you live right now, you have got to have your mind in the game. What is going on in your head? Are you thinking about Jesus? Are you you resting on how good God is? And I'm not saying be weird and like a teacher calls you out and you raise your hand to answer the question. You know, like, I don't know, God. You know, that's not what I'm saying to do in class. What I'm saying is this, that, that God is just welcomed into every part of your day. Is God, ask yourself this question, is God welcome in every part of your day? I pray that he is. And maybe a few practical examples of how you can do this, some things you could actually do in your life is, what if you were to pray before class? Maybe, before, maybe with friends, maybe by yourself, maybe as you're walking down the hallway, you just pray, God, I, I hope I, I, you know, I, I look like you today in this class, or God, I love you, thank you for this day. You know, whatever it may be, small prayers. What if, what if you kept your Bible in your backpack and you saw it every now and then during the course of your day, or you kept it nearby, you kept it, in the living room of your home next to your Xbox or whatever, and you saw your Bible and it just made you think about God? What if you listened to godly music on your iPod or on the ride to school or in other times? What if you just listened to things about God? What if you had conversations? And this is the hard one. What if you had conversations about God at school? What if you, some of you that go to school together from here, what if tomorrow you talked about what God is doing to M12 in the hallway of school? And you begin to welcome God into every single part of your day. Because here's what I know to be true. If you do some of those small things, it'll help you keep the focus on the main thing. If you do some of those things that seem small, just praying before class, keeping your Bible near you during your day, or talking about God before you step up into, uh, before you go to class or go to a football game, whatever it may be. I promise you, if you do those smaller things, it'll help you keep your focus on God the main thing. And in the moments of pressure and temptation, you'll be able to stand firm for him. The next truth is this, your teammates matter. So the first one, your thoughts matter. What's going on in your head about God? What you think about when you think about God matters. The next one is this, your teammates matter. Your teammates matter. The people in your life, the people that have influence over you. And here's what I mean by teammates. Teammates, get this guys, teammates have influence over us. Some of you have friends, some of you have acquaintances, some people that have, you know, you just have people you see every now and then that don't really have much influence over you. And that's okay. I would say this. I hope that some of you guys have friends that do not know Christ so that you can share Christ with them. But I will say this, your teammates, those that influence you, that change your behavior, that kind of make you into the person you are, you are today, do your, your, your teammates matter. We have to surround ourselves with a team that, that will push us towards Jesus into living a life that looks more like a life that represents that we love Jesus. Here's the deal. We oftentimes talk about our faith as a personal matter. You guys know what I'm saying? People say, hey, it's a personal, it's a personal decision. Your faith is personal. Your religion is personal. Keep that to yourself. I've experienced that a good bit in my life where people said, hey, you know, your faith can be your faith, but keep that to yourself because I'm going to have my own faith over here. And they call it personal. And, and I do believe this, students, I believe this. It is, of course, a personal decision that you have to make in your life to, to follow Christ and to rest in his grace and love for you. You have to make that decision. No one can make that decision for you. So it is personal in that way. But we know this from God's word. 
word that though it is a personal decision, it's never a private decision. It's never private. But what we want to do is we want to keep our faith kind of private. I'll talk about faith at M12, but I won't talk about it um, during that practice. I won't talk about it at rehearsal. I won't talk about it on Saturday. My, that's private. God does not desire your faith, your faith to be private. He desires it to be loud, and he, need, he desires for you to share it with other people because the reality is in our faith, we cannot win alone. In our faith, we cannot win alone. You have got to have brothers and sisters in Christ who surround you who influence you, who when your eyes fall off of Jesus, they help you point your eyes to Jesus. Raise your hand if you feel like you have that friend. Raise your hand if you feel like you have a friend who helps you point back to Jesus when your life begins to slip away. Because I know this, with any team that, you know, if you watch March Madness, there's already been tons of upsets and underdog stories and all this. No one person has made the clutch game-winning shot. You hear me? You can put your hands down. No one person has made the clutch game-winning shot without a pass, without somebody else setting up the play, without somebody else being a part of the whole system. Here's the deal. You cannot win alone in your faith. You need some people around you who push you to Jesus when you slip away. And when the temptation is hard, when the temptation is loud, when the pressure is on you and, it's, and you need to be clutching the moment and choose Jesus or choose sin, if you do not have people around you that help push you to Christ, I guess, guess what? You will miss that shot every time. Do you have friends that help point you back to Jesus? Does your family, do other people around you, your teammates matter? Because in our faith, we cannot win alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one. Because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can pick him up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Do you hear that? Pity the one who falls and there's no one there to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Get this, guys. You are stronger together as followers of Christ. You are stronger together as followers of Christ. Praise God. I'm so thankful for things like M12, aren't you? Because look around you. Look around you. You are not alone in this. If you feel alone in this, I pray that you would dive into a relationship today. Because there's adults in the room. I know Steve, I know God, everyone here, the, the people that you see want you to, to know that you are not alone in pursuing Jesus in this life. No matter how alone you feel, you are not alone. We're in this together. I know, I know that that's what God desires for us as we walk this life. As temptation rises, as pressure is put on you, as you claim Christ in your life, if you are a Christian, I know that we will always find strength in our numbers. And you're not meant to do this alone. Then finally, one last truth. Remember that God is enough. Your thoughts matter, your teammates matter, and then this is just a heart truth, something to, something to hold tightly into your own heart, into your own mind. Remember that God is enough. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, but godliness and contentment is great gain. And here's what is special about being content. Content in God means that you are allowing him to satisfy you, that you are not wanting other things because God has filled you up. I know this to be true. When I choose something other than God, I'm ultimately saying that God is not enough for me. 
I'm wanting God and something else. I, we find ourselves in that often in our lives, or we want God. Yeah, I want God. I want to. I, I, I want Him over here, but I also kind of want this other thing. But we cannot do that. Someone who is saved and knows Jesus as their Savior realizes that God is enough, and He is all we need. And so contentment. Being satisfied in him is crucial in being able to stand underneath the pressure that the world is going to throw at you. The reason being is simple. Because when temptation is high and the pressure is on, if we see something as more beautiful than Jesus, we're going to choose that thing. If we're empty and we don't feel like God is filling us up, guess what? We're going to choose that other thing. But every now and then we need to stop and remember that God is enough. Second Peter chapter 1 Verse 12 through 15, this guy named Peter is writing this letter to a bunch of Christians, and he literally says the word remember or memory or remind five or six times throughout the whole letter. And listen to what he has to say to these, to these Christians. He says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you have now. I think it is right to refresh your memory you hear that? To refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter feels the need to remind these Christians of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Hey, look at me. Eyes up here. Jesus Christ loves you more than you could ever imagine. He has paid a price that you could never pay so that we could live a life that we never deserve to live. The gospel of Jesus Christ says no matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter the sin in your life, I, it says this, Jesus says, I love you and I can save you. I've paid for that on the cross so that you can have eternal life. And every now and then, when temptation is high, and we feel like turning our back on Jesus, the best thing we can do is remember, remember what he's done for us. Rest in your heart in that moment when you feel like, should I go to that party? Should I do that thing with that girl or that guy? Should I, should I say this? Should I jump into gossip? Should I, whatever. In those moments, stop. Remember, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because when you do that, when you do that, you'll find strength to stand firm because God is always, always enough. And we remember that he fills us and we're satisfied in him. We're content in him and we choose him. Being clutch is so much less about avoiding something bad. It is much more about saying yes to Jesus. Do you see the difference? Being clutch is much more about saying yes to Jesus and it's less about avoiding something bad. Because we have to remember a few, one kind of one really important truth to kind of wrap up today's conversation. Is that being clutch is less about how good we are, but is because of how good God is. We are not clutch because of how good we are, but because of how good God is. I couldn't. I found this to be true in my life. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. I found this to be true in my life that I could never stand up to temptation on my own. I didn't have the strength to do it. And you don't have the strength to do it. You don't have the strength to stand under the pressure by yourself. 
You don't have the strength to say no to that thing. You don't have the strength to, to walk away from that unhealthy relationship. You don't, you, we just don't, guys. We don't have the strength in ourselves. But the good news of the gospel is God does have that strength. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that something called the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God. And that's just a, 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 a God-sized way of saying this. The God who spins the planets in motion, who holds the, the oceans in the palm of his hand, who holds the mountains, the Bible says, in a, in a, in a pair of scales, he weighs the mountains. The God who done all, has done all of these things, who created everything, he lives inside of you. And because of that, you can say no to temptation. You can stand strong under pressure. You can be clutch in the name of Jesus Christ in every situation you find yourself in. You are not alone. There is a song that I love by a band who you guys sing a lot of, Hillsong Live, Hillsong United. There's a, there's a, there's a line in a song, they pull it from scripture, <coughs> but the quote is this, the same power that conquered the dead lives in me. The very same power that conquered the dead lives in me. The God of the universe lives in you and he has given you the tools necessary. You have what it takes to be clutch because God lives in you. So remember this. Remember this as you walk into life, as you face temptation and when the pressure comes on you, when you feel the urge to share Jesus, but you just don't know if you can, you don't know if you have the courage, you don't know if you have what it takes, remember this, the God of the universe lives inside of you. So say yes to him, take steps towards him, trust him. Remember that God is always enough. Your teammates matter, your thoughts matter. And I pray that a young army of followers of Christ would rise up and their lives would demonstrate that Jesus Christ is the God who loves them, a God who has made a way for salvation, and a God who loves their classmates, a God who loves their teammates, a God who loves the people in their lives, a God who loves their families, a God who loves, and, and it becomes something that stirs within M12 at Sugarloaf, and you guys become a beacon for God all throughout this community. Do you want that? Do you want that? Do you want to be a people? Do you want to be a young group of middle schoolers that make Jesus famous? I pray you do. I pray you do, and you have what it takes. You have what it takes to make a difference. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, uh, God, to remember, to remember that you are enough, to remember that you provide the necessary tools. God, you give us the strength to stand firm against temptation. When the pressure is on, you've given us what, what we need. You've, you've saved us from our sin eternally, God, and we know that because you've saved us eternally, Lord, you offer us strength in the, in the temporary. You give us what we need right now. Lord, these middle schoolers, they face a bunch of different things throughout the course of their days and their lives, but Lord, you've given them what they need. You love them desperately, so Lord, help us rest in that love, to trust that love, to live loudly for that love, and to choose you, to choose you, to say yes to Jesus when the world is calling our names when the temptation is calling our name. I pray that they would say yes to Jesus and that other people would come to know you as a result of the testimony of the lives of the young men and women in this room. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.